This is Todd Summerfeld. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS in Crookston, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you the update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear a report from Whitney Pittman as well. I've got a quiet weather pattern in place over the next 10 days to two weeks for much of the Midwest. World Weather Incorporated says warmer and drier than usual conditions will dominate the northern plains, and that could or will melt some of the recent snows. High temperatures this week after today are expected to warm into the 30s and 40s beginning tomorrow with even some 50s possible for South Dakota and Montana on Saturday. Mix of rain and sunshine expected across much of Brazil over the next two weeks beginning Sunday and continuing out through Christmas. World Weather Incorporated expects the rains to keep soil moisture adequate enough to support crop development across much of Brazil and Paraguay. Argentina is expected to see widespread rains through next Monday with favorable crop conditions. Drier weather beginning December 19th should allow for field work to increase across Argentina. Stonex market analyst Philip Clausen says thin trade and a lack of fresh news as traders rebalancing their market positions. It's only Tuesday, but it's been a mixed trade here in the, the grain and oilseed conflict uh, so far. You said a big update yesterday in beans while uh, wheat struggled and, and corn was relatively flat. And now we're seeing the, the grain side of the complex rally today. And I think it's uh, it might be a little bit of rebalancing here before year end. But otherwise, it's, it's a generally slow news cycle right now. Basis bids across the Red River Farm Network region, mostly unchanged from a week ago. Spring wheat basis ranging from 20 to 80 cents under the March Minneapolis futures contract. Corn basis ranging from 45 to 85 cents under the March corn futures and soybean basis ranging from 65 to 85 cents under the January soybean futures contract. Representatives of the Minnesota Board of Water and Soil Resources and the state's Soil and Water Conservation Districts, part of a signing ceremony this morning with USDA officials, Minnesota is receiving a $25 million Regional Conservation Partnership Program grant and will focus on soil health practices through voluntary programs with farmers and landowners. The signing ceremony took place at the Minnesota Association of Soil and Water Conservation District's annual meeting underway in Bloomington. Northern canola growers held their 17th annual research conference this morning. Executive Director Barry Coleman highlighted the research priorities for canola growers. Production practices that optimize yield, quality, and profit of canola. Um, looking at disease management, we want to emphasize black leg and club root research in our proposals. We've got a separate sclerotin initiative that's been going on for a number of years, so we have any sclerotinia-related research proposals sent to that initiative. We also look at insect management, ID, and control. We want to certainly keep an eye on the uh, striped flea beetles, the newer flea beetles that are coming about, um, looking at straight harvesting of a canola. And other research highlighted included improving oil content. Increasing oil yield per acre in canola. That's a lot of the stuff that Dr. Raman is doing, and he'll be talking about that a little bit later. Looking at nitrogen and sulfur fertility management, including use efficiency studies, other traditional research that has potential to increase our acres because that is the main 
concern that we're dealing with right now is increasing the acres of canola in the U.S. to meet the, the demand requirements from the biofuels. Research on end products and then also looking at canola meal research. Swine Health Information Center Executive Director Paul Sundberg is retiring at the end of the month after private practice and some time at the National Pork Producers Council and National Pork Board, Sunberg helped launch the Swine Health Information Center in 2015. At that time, the Pork Checkoff Board determined that changes were needed to address swine diseases. We got PERS in the 80s, we got a circle virus in the late 90s, we get influenza in 2011, we get uh, and now in 2013, we broke with PED, and, and that took out 10% of our pigs. And they said, we're doing the same thing over and over again, trying to react to emerging diseases, and we've got to do something different. And that was the impetus for the formation of the Swine Health Information Center. It was an effort by the Pork Board's Board of Directors, by Chekhov, to try to get ahead of what's coming at us. Sunberg credits the Swine Health Information Center for the development of rapid response teams to tackle a swine disease threat. A faster, more directed approach to animal health research has also happened. As retirement approaches, Sunberg encouraged producers to be engaged in organizations like the National Pork Board or National Pork Producers Council. His advice also extends to the swine barn. Never assume that you have what Doc said you had last time. If you're seeing the same thing happen and you say, well, you know, that's what Doc said it was last time, so we're just going to do it this way, that's not a good way to approach things because you don't know if you're going to be the first one that's going to have that first case out there that looks just like something else, but it's not. Always get professional uh, help and professional diagnostic help on cases that even look routine. Dr. Megan Niederwerder will move into the executive director role for Swine Health Information Center January 1st. Nearly 6% of all cars sales are electric models. According to Market Watch guides, there are 73 registered electric vehicles per every 10,000 people nationwide. North Dakota has the least number of EVs per capita at eight. California on the other end of that spectrum with 232 electric vehicles registered per capita. And a longtime uh, NDSU donor, philanthropist, and Bison Athletics fan, Norma Peltier, will receive an honorary Doctor of Agriculture degree from NDSU. The Peltier family has a longstanding dedication to NDSU academics and athletics, including the Peltier Endowment for Innovation and Teaching, Don LaRue Scholarship, the Jessmine Slaughter Burgum Scholarship, Joe Peltier Award for Risk Management, and the Peltier Complex. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. RCAF USA has sent a petition to the U.S. International Trade Commission requesting a global safeguard investigation for the sheep industry. 
Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. RCAF USA CEO Bill Bullard says over 70% of lamb and mutton consumed in the United States is imported from countries like Australia and New Zealand and hopes to set a precedent for red meat imports. We see the sheep industry as the canary in the coal mine for the cattle industry because sheep are very similar to cattle in terms of their biological characteristics and the market structure in the sheep industry is, is similar to the cattle industry. And as we see the sheep industry uh, being decimated by imports, we now know for a fact that imports can destroy a domestic supply chain for red meat. And uh, the sheep industry is, is the one that is facing the most alarming situation right now. And so we need to uh, focus our efforts on the sheep industry, establish a precedent because the relief needed is some form of quantity restrictions on the volume of imports coming into this country. In addition to the strength of the U.S. dollar, there are other factors that make sheep production cheaper in other countries. We have in the United States some of the highest standards in the world, and those highest standards come with a cost. So our producers have higher costs in terms of production than in other countries. And the example is that in Australia and New Zealand, they are able to use predator controls that have been banned in the United States. While consumers you know, may feel good about no longer using compound 1080 on a widely used basis to protect against predators, Australia and New Zealand are still doing it. So what's happening is we're importing the very uh, production practices that uh, have been, that the United States has decided they no longer want to use. Bullard hopes that an investigation would prove imports have caused a substantial injury to the U.S. sheep industry. If we prevail in establishing that fact, then the U.S. Trade Representative's Office has the ability to impose quantity restrictions in the form of tariffs or tariff rate quotas. And those are the same tools, economic tools, that we presently use for our U.S. peanut industry and our U.S. sugar industry. It's been long recognized that uh, the U.S. producer, given those factors we talked about, uh, is not competing on a level playing field globally, and therefore we must uh, establish a space within which our domestic industry can re remain viable. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council board member Paul Freeman is traveling from his farm at Starbuck to New York City this week for the Clean Fuels Alliance America Big Apple Tour. Freeman says farmers are learning innovative ways that they can play a role in cleaner air. We're in New York City in uh... The Clean Fuel Alliance is uh, kind of coordinating this, coordinating this trip, but it's great to be out here because uh, as a farmer, we can offer solutions for air quality and just uh, a better uh, product to use in their vehicles, trying to work it into the uh, marine area for boats. Yeah, I cringe a little bit when I fill up my work truck, uh, 20, 30 gallons, it adds up, but these barges, some of them are uh, 55,000 gallons of fuel on board so uh, that's a lot of fuel getting burned and if we can get a cleaner fuel in there that uh, makes a big difference. And the three-day tour is highlighting new ways to meet consumer demands. There's a lot of uh, great ideas and great uses coming on board so we got to be prepared. It's our homegrown product and we'll utilize it the best we can and that's great that we're getting more crushed plants coming online that it, uh, it will provide uh, more of the supply and uh, make a difference on the environment. The consumer is asking for the environmental improvements 
And we want to make sure that they are getting that improvement, that uh, it's not a sleight of hands where it's just cold blending by the big oil companies. It really isn't exactly the same as biodiesel. So we want to make sure that the consumer is getting what they're asked for. The Board of Directors for the Minnesota Association of Wheat Growers and the Minnesota Wheat Research and Promotion Council meeting today for a strategic planning session. The two groups will also be discussing the open executive director position. That job opened up at the end of November when former executive director Charlie Vogel left Minnesota Wheat. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Treasury Department is expected to release its guidance for sustainable aviation fuel made by corn-based ethanol by the end of the week. The availability of tax credits will depend on this decision. Last month, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack told Reuters News Service he was confident ethanol would, will qualify as a sustainable aviation fuel feedstuff. Risk management tools are available to the dairy industry, including dairy management coverage. As a federal program, DMC has limitations on the amount of milk covered. Purina risk management specialist Tim Patchen says another option is the Dairy Revenue Protection Program, which allows dairy farms to put a floor on the milk price and capture any market upside. We're a lot of uh, operations were telling us hey, you know, I, I like this DRP, but really my the microbiter is either based in crop insurance or, or possibly in finance. They don't really understand the milk market. It's just not part of their everyday business. And so it's hard to have a conversation specific about milk markets. You know, we got that feedback, we, and we said, well, who better to operate in this space than a company that, that really is seed to milk? Right, I mean, this uh, Land O'Lakes Purina covers anything, and if you include Winfield there, it covers everything from the seed that goes in the ground to the butter on the shelf. Approximately 25% of the milk produced today is covered by DRP. With the current low milk prices, Patchen sees more interest in managing risk. Our recommendation is that you do that proactively versus reactively. So I think that's one of the highlights of sitting down, talking with one of us, going through where does you where do you sit right now, what's your risk management comfort level, what's your risk management knowledge base, and you know, let's start from the beginning if we need to and, and build out from there. Checking uh, numbers before we leave you this afternoon, March milk, or March milk, March wheat in Minneapolis, 18 and three quarter cents higher at 7.30 and a half. Chicago March wheat's up 16 and a quarter. Kansas City March wheat, 27 cents higher. March corn, three and a quarter higher at 4.84 and three quarters. July up two and a half at 5.06. January soybeans are down 12 cents at 13.24 and March down 10 and a half at 13.42 and three quarters. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.